Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy for me to be here with you, uh, being blessed every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to come together and share in the joy of our faith, the joy of the gospel. I do pray we're having a blessed, happy, and holy January 13th. A lovely day out today, by the way. Feel like it's getting a little warmer, but we know that's not going to last, being January. But my goodness, what a lovely day! So I hope you're getting a chance to enjoy some of this winter weather. And uh, today, Thursday, is Catechism Day, so we're going to go back to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and uh, continue our teaching from the section on the Creed. And today, I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. The good news that God has sent His Son. Of course, we just have come off the. Beautiful celebration of uh, the Nativity. So we'll go to this section in the uh, Catechism on the Creed, I Believe in Jesus Christ. But before we do that also, um, let's see, It was I guess it was uh, today, um, it's a new interview that was released in Italy, in Lo Zubitari de Romano, the Vatican newspaper, where Holy Father Pope Francis talked about today— there being an urgent need, an urgent need for spiritual fatherhood. So, and I've not read it, so I'll just share it with you as we go along here. That's the way I like to operate. You know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in preparing. <laughs> Maybe that's obvious to you. Um, I like to just find the topics and where we're going to go, and as we delve into them, to just share my thoughts and opinions with you and uh, reflections with you. That I always, I'm always in the chapel before the program praying. The Holy Spirit gives me the guidance and the, the words and uh, everything that I need to transmit what God wants you to hear. So I'm happy you're here and uh, uh, ask you to uh, pray. Let's pray for you. We're going to pray now. I'm going to pray for each other, each other's intentions. We have, of course, our special intention at our home, and we're just still praying for that uh, so thanks for joining me in that prayer. And we're praying the prayer of consecration uh, to the Holy Family. So uh, I invite you to consecrate your families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. 
Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And our prayers, Holy Father asks us to pray to St. Michael and to Our Lady, uh, these specific prayers with the specific intention to protect our church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, thank you so much for allowing me the honor of uh, leading us in prayer as we start our time together today, as we do every time we gather here at this hour. And uh, thank you all for continuing to send us your prayer requests. Just got, I got three or four more today in the mail, which are beautiful. And I love to go into our chapel and we place those prayer requests in our special little prayer basket that we have in there. Uh, we place near the tabernacle and uh, in our day, my daily prayers, uh, morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, rosary, in the chapel before the tabernacle. Your prayer intentions are there, the ones you so beautifully write out for us, and uh, I pray for them. And so uh, thank you. It's an honor, and I, and I, I do love doing that for you. I think, you know, as I get older <laughs> and less, maybe less mobile, although I don't know now. You know, I, I mentioned yesterday, so keep this in prayer. This is a special prayer intention. March 9th, I am going to have some uh, back surgery. Uh, it's not going to lay me up for a long time, but it's they don't want me to drive for a couple of days, so I have to do my program from my home studio after the surgery. I have to do one 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 night in the hospital, they say, just for observation purposes. Um, but uh, I have some, uh, on two of the discs, I have some, what they say is severe spinal stenosis, which has really hindered my mobility um, in addition to my other issues. <laughs> so... Um, but I, uh, they say they can correct that uh, through this minor surgery. I don't know if it's minor surgery, but it's surgery with a, a very small incision. Um, and then also I have another a third bulging disc that's pressing against some nerves that is uh, creating a weakness in, in my left leg. So the, I'm getting old, let's face it. But I'm hoping this doctor comes upon highly recommended, uh, the doctor that is going to be doing the surgery on me, um, but he says it will correct uh, that. So please, God, uh, you know, make everything work right. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be immobile. I want to be as mobile as I possibly can, you know. Uh, most of you know that when I was uh, nine, nine months old back in 
the middle of the last century when I was born. I was nine months old, and at that time there was no vaccine yet. Or actually, there was a vaccine that had just come out, but we did, it wasn't widely distributed. Uh, but I, I did contract polio, and it affected one leg, and, and I wear the brace. And um, you know, but I've always been pretty well uh, able to overcome that. But as I get older, it's not it's not as easy. So if there's an additional back problem that has nothing to do with that, I want to get rid of that. So keep that in prayer. Um, I'm hoping that by this summer I'll be tap dancing once again. No. <laughs> Although I got to tell you, when I I mentioned to you when I was in um, high school, uh, our senior class play in 1972 uh, was the musical Fiddler on the Roof, and I played Tebbia, and I was doing those uh, Lachaim dances and things, and if I were a rich man type of thing. So you know, the Lord just kind of anchored me down a little bit. He didn't want me run, running too loose, so he said, "Wait a minute, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta." Use this as an anchor, which it does. It has kept me from running into the depths of hell many times in my youth, I'm sure. Uh, so anyway, that all being said, I'm happy to be here, and I thank you for your prayers, and I thank you for allowing me the honor of praying for you. So keep those prayer intentions coming. Also, I mentioned to you yesterday, if you would, please check out our bulletin board on our Domestic Church Media website, domesticchurchmedia.org. And uh, if you have an event that you would like posted, you know, I'm, I'm praying that in spite of all this Omicron shutting things down again, that they say as quickly as it surged, if, if you know, the statistics coming out of South Africa where it was first um, uh, observed, that it will quickly come down, the number of, numbers of cases and things. So hopefully, and you know, I, there was a doctor on... Uh, one of the interviews that I saw a couple weeks ago, uh, I think his name was Maloney, Dr. Maloney, who was responsible for the, inventing the technology that uh, created the mRNA vaccine. And he said, and this is a doctor, uh, obviously a very knowledgeable and uh, well-educated <laughs> professional uh, individual who said that, and it was just before Christmas, he said that this Omicron, he believed, was a Christmas gift from God because it's really nature's vaccine. Once you get the Omicron, you're immune to the rest of it and everything else that comes you know, with, with the, the coronavirus. So um, that's good news if that's the case. And then another, uh, the FDA, I think, announced yesterday that uh, they said everybody's going to get Omicron. There's no, there's, there's no avoiding it. So anyway, hopefully, and wouldn't that be nice that this Omicron is the Gift the Christ, He called it a Christmas gift from God because it, he he believes it to be a natural vaccine. That once you get the Omicron, your immune system that God has created and given us uh, will do what it's supposed to do and protect us from uh, any further Corona uh, SARS-CoV-2 viruses. What the main viruses. So hopefully, all that gets out of here. And we get back to normal, and you at your parish or your prayer group or your school start opening up and having activities where we can come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether it be parish missions. You know, Lent is coming up. Uh, maybe there'll be some uh, penance services and things like that. Let us know about it. Go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and post it uh, on our bulletin board so we can spread the good news about those events. Uh, you know, springtime will be here before you know it. Summertime will be here before you know it. There'll be uh, parish picnics and, and fairs and uh, 
uh, you know, let us know about these things so we can promote it and get the word out about it. That's what we're here for. One of the reasons we're here for. Uh, and then also, I'm going to throw this out to you. If if you are in the market, <laughs> if you're in the market, uh, maybe maybe you're having a fair, maybe you're having a, a festival, and you're looking for entertainment. <laughs> I will come. I will come to your event with an 18-piece big band and sing Sinatra. I'll bring the band. I found this band that this orchestra. Uh, that would do that. And uh, so if you're going to have something like that and you want an, a night of live music, live entertainment in the style of uh, singing the music of Frank Sinatra with a, a live big band, not karaoke, a live big band, I'll come. I will come and we'll, we'll bring, I'll bring the band and we'll do uh, oh, an hour, an hour and a half of Sinatra music with a live big band. <laughs> I, I, just because I enjoy doing it, I just enjoy singing. So, anyway, all that just you know, let it mull around and let it, you know. I'm, I'm a little maybe I'm a little loopy today. I went to the dentist this morning. Maybe that's why I'm a little little bit. Uh, well, it's just a cleaning, but you know, you're still sitting there with your mouth open and they're feeling all around. And <laughs> let's go to let's go to Holy Father Pope Francis. Uh, an interview in Lo Zervatore Romano, the Vatican newspaper. The Holy Father said there's a great need, a great and urgent need today for spiritual fatherhood. Spiritual fatherhood. He said the faith we have received is always found through a relationship with someone. There is a great urgency in this historical moment for meaningful relationships that we could define as spiritual fatherhood. You know, most of us, I'm sure most of you listening right now, watching on our YouTube channel, however you're participating in the program today, cradle Catholics, right? We're, we were, we were uh, um, given the faith by our parents through the rela- relationship we have with them. Maybe some of you are, uh, came into the church as adults, and, but as Holy Father said, that it, it's always um, a situation where we, we found and, and were introduced to the faith through a relationship with someone. Uh, later this month, on January 30th, January 30th will be the anniversary of my baptism. I was born on December 23rd. My parents had me baptized on the 30th, about a month later. Um, a very, very special day, and, and Holy Father said... Uh, John Paul said, every pope probably said, you know, it's important to celebrate our birthdays, yes, but probably even more important to celebrate our baptism day, the day that we came into the church. But that doesn't happen and didn't happen, Holy Father said today in this interview, without a relationship. And he underlined that a spiritual relationship is one of those relationships that we have to rediscover with renewed effort a psychological or therapeutic program. He said that at this time in history, many young people have the inability to make big life decisions and are afraid to decide to choose or take a risk. It's interesting, I think. Now, Cheryl and I have raised three millennials. God bless them. We love them all. It's hard to believe that our oldest 
son just turned 33. And our daughter will be 31 in March, and our youngest son uh, just turned 29. So by next year at this time, we'll have three children in, the, in their 30s, these millennials. You do the best you can when you're raising your children, but it was an interesting time to raise children in the 1990s, wasn't it? Those of you who were like us. And maybe we didn't prepare them well enough for life, or maybe life got away from us, and the life that we knew wasn't the same life that was around us at the time. We can only do what we've learned ourselves. So, you know, the 1990s, in a lot of ways, in raising the children, that was the beginning of a lot of the stuff that now has become the norm, and maybe maybe many of us say, wait a minute. But Holy Father's saying that many young people have the inability to make big life decisions and are afraid to decide, to choose, take a risk. He added that it's not only up to priests to provide much-needed spiritual accompaniment, but that there are many good lay men and women with valuable experiences to share. Christian faith is not something that can be learned from books or by simple uh, reasoning. Instead, it's an existential journey that passes through our relationships. Our experience of faith thus always arises from somebody's witness. Now, again, those of us who are cradle Catholics and we had the great witness of our parents, of our families, uh, my parents, you know, they, we, we all went to Catholic school, Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school. Uh, the faith was very important to them and very important then to pass it on to us as we have passed it on to our children and our children hopefully will pass it on to their children. I mean, I, I think I mentioned to you a while back, uh, you know, my one of my sisters uh, does great work on uh, Ancestry.com. I say great work. You know, she subscribes to Ancestry.com, and she has traced uh, our Manfredonia family line back to the mid-1700s. <laughs> Alto di Pal da Avellino in Italy, which is, uh, in the, I guess, um, east of the Naples area. Um, and when you stop to think about from generation to generation to generation to generation to this very day, our Catholic faith has been passed from one generation to the next, Right? Most of us, if, if you're cradle Catholic, it's because someone in a relationship with you shared the faith in one way or another, and the same thing happened with that person and the person before him, the person before him, and the faith is passed down. And Holy Father said this, that this isn't something that you know we just learn from books or simple reasoning. He, he said it's, our Christian faith is, is an existential journey that passes through our relationships. And our experience of faith always arises from somebody's witness. I know, because, you know, when, when I first became exposed to Catholic radio, you know, for a long time, there was no Catholic radio. There's a lot of evangelical radio. Our Protestant brothers and sisters, they were way ahead of us. Even though 
in the mid-1960s, where the Vatican uh, Council Fathers said and exhorted Catholics, and especially lay people, to use the media to spread the faith. Our Protestant brothers and sisters were already doing that, and we weren't. We weren't. I mean, with the exception of a few, Father Peyton, who, uh, you know, is considered the rosary priest now, uh, uh, you know, very, uh, is he, I don't know if he's been canonized yet. He has been canonized or up for canonization. Um, and Father Peyton, back in the uh, 1940s and 50s, used a lot of Hollywood stars to make these little uh, um, films and, and uh, recordings. Uh, and they weren't even all Catholic. <laughs> uh, he, he got, I remember he got Lucille Ball. He got a number of, of very famous people to um, help him spread the message that the family that prays together stays together. In fact, there was something over Christmas I saw on YouTube. It was, it was Frank Sinatra in his later years, probably only a few years before he died, and he died in 1998. Um, it was maybe probably the late 80s where he was doing something for he's, the first Noel he sang for Father Peyton, and he had conversation with Father Peyton in this piece and and said himself, the family that prays together stays together. Now, we, we know a lot about, uh, probably a lot about Frank Sinatra's life, but I did read, because I read over the a while back, a, a, a book by his youngest daughter, who said that in the end, last years of his life, he did return to the church. It's hard to imagine for some people, I think, but he did. Um, and others, you know, there was one, a number of Christmases ago, I saw something Father Peyton had produced. It was Bob Newhart praying the rosary. <laughs> Bob Newhart is a Catholic man, um, praying the rosary. So anyway, so he was one. Then, of course, our good friend Bishop Sheen, who used the media. But beyond that, there wasn't a lot of Catholic media. A lot of uh, the secular media presented the church in a very positive way, right? The, the movies that we've talked about, uh, the our Lady of Lords, the Song of Bernadette, which was an Academy Award winner, um, Bing Crosby with his famous Father O'Malley character with Going My Way, and the sequel to that was Bells of St. Mary's. The church was presented, presented in a very positive light, as was the faith. But there really wasn't something until Mother Angelica came along that established media run by members of the church like Mother in EWTN, and then, of course, those of us who are affiliates and how we use the media. And these witnesses that are being given on Catholic radio, I know because I get your mail, and I've been doing this a long time and got, have gotten mail for many, many years, how much the Lord works through these apostolates and this apostolate uh, that you know we use here in the lives of so many. And it's a witness, and that's how the faith is passed on. But Holy Father said that our experiences of faith always arise from somebody's witness. So what a great blessing Catholic media is in a world that is so uh, dominated by media. Holy Father pointed to St. Joseph as a model for fatherhood, reflecting that Joseph had a remarkable, remarkable ability to know how to listen to God speaking to his heart. Pope Francis said, I am convinced that the fatherly relationships with Joseph, I'm sorry, the fatherly relationship that Joseph had with Jesus influenced his life so much 
that Jesus' future preaching is filled with images and references taking precisely from paternal imagery. So again, our Lord, being true God and true man, and being raised by St. Joseph as his son, although being his foster father, but as his, his, his son, St. Joseph, and his witness to the Jewish faith, uh, our Lord, as our Holy Father said, convinced that our Lord's uh, fatherly relationship with St. Joseph, relationship with St. Joseph as his foster father, had an influence in our Lord's life so much that even our Lord's future preaching is filled with images and references taken precisely from that paternal imagery. For example, he said, Jesus says that God is Father, and this statement cannot leave us indifferent, especially when we think about his personal human experience of fatherhood. This means that Joseph was such a good father that Jesus found in this man's love and paternity the most beautiful reference he could give to God. And the Holy Father um, continues this wonderful teaching on St. Joseph. And this is, a, this is an interview because we, we shared with you his um, general audience from yesterday. But in this particular interview released today in Los Libertari Romano, um, said that he was always nur- nurtured a special devotion to St. Joseph, the Holy Father has, because he represents what Christian faith should be for each of us in a beautiful and simple way. I always consider it a, a kindness from heaven to be able to begin my patron ministry on March 19th. That was the day the Holy Father was installed as our Holy Father on the Feast of St. Joseph back in 2013. And he said, I think that in some way, St. Joseph wanted to tell me that he would continue to help me, to be beside me, and I would be able to continue to think of him as a friend I could turn to, whom I could trust, whom I could ask to intercede and pray for me. So what a beautiful very simple and loving relationship Pope Francis says he has with St. Joseph. And what a, a great example that is for all of us to, to strive to have that type of relationship with St. Joseph. And in the year of St. Joseph that the Holy Father declared officially came to an end last month, he said that he hoped that the year helped many Christians rediscover the profound value of the communion of saints, which is not an abstract communion, but a concrete communion, that expresses itself in a concrete relationship and has concrete consequences. The time in which we are living is a difficult time, Pope Francis said, marked by the coronavirus pandemic. Many people are suffering. Many families are facing difficulties. Many people are hounded by the anxiety of death and an uncertain future. And he said, I felt that precisely in this time, that it is so difficult. We needed someone who could encourage us, help us, inspire us in order to understand which is the right way to know how to face these dark moments. Joseph is a bright witness in dark times, Pope Francis said. This is why it it was right to make room for him at this time in order to find our way again. So although the official year of St. Joseph ended uh, last month, December 8th, Holy Father is encouraging us to still, at this time, because we're still in difficult times, this pandemic is still lingering. And as I said the other day, I, I, I believe that you know our response to the pandemic, our reaction 
to the pandemic is worse than the pandemic itself, if it even is a pandemic anymore. But our reaction to it and our response to it and the collateral damage uh, that has been wrought over the past two years now, we're about to enter into the third year of this situation, Holy Father encourages us to go to someone, that someone being St. Joseph in a special way, who encourages us, who helps us, who inspires us in order for us to understand which is the right way to know how to face these dark moments. As we talked about yesterday, you know, when we read from uh, St. Pope John Paul II from almost 30 years ago about why he chose Be Not Afraid as really the theme of his pontificate, apply, it applies today to not be afraid. We mustn't be afraid. You know, we need to understand that we have a communion of saints <laughs> who are there to help us in these relationships that we have with our friends who are the saints. And we all have our favorites, right? We all have our go-tos. Uh, St. Joseph has always been one for me as a father, as a husband. St. Joseph, who uh, is the protector of the universal church. Holy Father said he has a special relationship with him, and we should too. That we need to make room for St. Joseph at this time so that we can find our way again. Not just personally, yes, that's, that's, that's true, but also as a people of God, as a church, to go to St. Joseph, to allow ourselves to be led and guided by him in a special way. And as we look to the future and hope that this thing is over soon and we get back to normal, St. Joseph will be the one to guide us, to lead us along this path. But let me take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago uh, from the Creed. And today, we'll teach from the section on, uh, uh, from the Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. So stay where you are, my friends. I will be right back. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. God created each one of us, but He had in mind, regardless of how we look from childhood to old age, we change physically, but we don't change in His mind. See? Why? Because God has a specific degree of union with Him, holiness, we call it, for every one of you. And it's all different. They were all different. And we are called to be different because it glorifies God. He just doesn't make robots. Now, why you say, well, why are some holier than others? Well, that's your fault. <laughs> that's not his fault. If we accept the good, the bad, and indifferent of every day, every day, we'll all be holy in a different way. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Man who's free to love is free to hate. He who is free to obey is free to rebel. Virtue in this concrete order is possible only in those spheres in which it is possible to be vicious. A man can be a saint 
only in a church in which it is possible to be a devil. You say, well, if I were God, I would destroy evil. Well, if you did that, you would destroy human freedom. God will not destroy freedom. If we do not want any dictators on this earth, certainly we do not want any dictators in the kingdom of heaven. And those, therefore, who would blame God for allowing man freedom to go on hindering and thwarting his work are like those who, seeing blots and smudges and errors in the student's notebook, would condemn the teacher for not snatching away the book and doing the copy himself. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the Church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio heard right here on Domestic Church Media weeknights at 5. Pope Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. My family left the church because of a, a, a very negative experience with a specific priest. And that took my whole family away from going to church for a long period of time. And there were other Catholic churches and there were great Catholic churches and great priests, but we stopped because of that one specific instance. And in a way, I was, I was cheated out a big part of my journey and my life uh, because we weren't in the church. In life, it seems like we're always enslaved to something. And I think that's, that's basically where our, what our culture is all about right now is we are, we are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. My involvement in the church, my relationship with God is who I am. It, it's what gives me my identity. Thank God I'm home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Bishop Robert Barron. Tolkien has reached out to, you know, Nordic culture and literature and Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. He learned a lot about the good, the true, and the beautiful from his study of pre-Christian cultures. He used narrative forms that were accessible to the culture. He adapted that to evangelical purposes. So that shows you that flexibility. It shows you a certain um, creativity in the evangelical uh, art. He did not proselytize. Rather, he very delicately and indirectly and cleverly evangelized through the imagination so that someone taking in these great stories of Tolkien or his friend C.S. Lewis, they're gonna say, oh yeah, I get that. I recognize that pattern. So that finally when they hear the gospel, They'll say, yeah, I understand that. I learned that from the Lord of the Rings. I learned that pattern from the Narnia stories. That was the genius of those fellas. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back. Happy to have you here on this lovely January 13th. Beautiful day out today. Hope you're enjoying it. 
and uh, thanking you for being a part of my day, my friends. Uh, we're going to get to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It is Thursday, and today we're continuing our teaching from and on the Creed, beginning with paragraph 422. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. The good news, God has sent his Son. And that's why domestic church media, like the church, exists. That's why we're here, to evangelize, to share and proclaim the good news that God has sent his Son. So we'll go to paragraph 432, I'm sorry, 422 in the Catechism, and uh, it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God has visited his people. He has fulfilled the promise he made to Abraham and his descendants. He acted far beyond all expectation. He has sent his own beloved Son. And that's why we're here. That's why you're listening. That's why uh, for 2,000 years... The Church of Jesus Christ, which began with a small, very small group of 12 men, most of them fishermen, founded by the Son of God himself. And here we are 2,000 years later, over a billion strong. And we have a long way to go, though. Mother, you hear that little spot we were on with Mother at the time when she recorded it many years ago. She said there were 6 billion people in the world. Now they say there are 7 billion people in the world. We have a we need to get all those people in, introduced to the gospel. Right? Paragraph 423 says, We believe and confess that Jesus of Nazareth, born a Jew of a daughter of Israel at Bethlehem at the time of, uh, of King Herod and the emperor of uh, Caesar Augustus, a carpenter by trade who died crucified in Jerusalem under the procurator Pontius Pilate, during the reign of the emperor Tiberius, is the eternal Son of God made man. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. He came from God, descended from heaven, and came in the flesh. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, and from his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. Moved by the grace of the Holy Spirit and drawn by the Father, we believe in Jesus and confess, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On the rock of this faith confessed by St. Peter, Christ built his church to preach the unsearchable riches, unsearchable riches of Christ. And every single one of us, my brothers and sisters, by virtue of our baptism, is called to do that. Now, we just heard before the break Holy Father talking about the passing on of the faith is a result of relationship. Someone or individuals, usually our parents and our family, the first heralds of the faith, giving witness. It's been happening for 2,000 years. And in paragraph 425, 
the Catechism says, the transmission of the Christian faith consists primarily in proclaiming Jesus Christ in order to lead others to faith in him. From the beginning, the first disciples burned with the desire to proclaim Christ. We cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. It and they invite people of every era to enter into the joy of their communion with Christ. You know, and as I've so often said and alluded to, the, the, the way of the world today. You know, when, when, just before he ascended, ascended into heaven, Jesus told his disciples to go out into the world and proclaim the good news, to go into the whole world and proclaim this gospel message. Right? And it wasn't just those disciples there at the time who witnessed the ascension who were the only ones to do that. That was an exhortation, a great commission to all of us down through the ages. Go into the world and teach and bring the good news. Right? That's our, that's our calling as, as evangelists, as missionaries, every single baptized Christian. But what does the world tell us these days? This world of political correctness. Don't talk about that in public. Keep it in your house, behind your closed doors. Keep it in your church. But don't bring it out here. Don't bring it into the schools. Don't bring it into the public square. Keep it out of the government. Keep it out of these places where you might offend somebody with it. From now on, all schools will have winter breaks. I was going to school. It was Christmas Christmas break. It was Easter break. It wasn't spring break. It was Easter break. Why? Well, because it happened around Easter. <laughs> Why? Because we took a break to celebrate Christmas. Happy holidays. You know, all this stuff that the world is saying, keep that out of my sight, out of my mind, out of my psyche, out of my vision. I don't want to see it or hear it, the secularists say. But we're called by our God, the one true God, his only begotten Son, to go into the whole world and proclaim Jesus Christ. People have died for this. Would you, would I be willing to die for this? You know, we don't know where we're going at this point, <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> politically anymore. Everything's up in the air. But it used to be you can speak, could speak very, very freely about your faith in public. I mean, I mean, way back, and I'm talking about my parents would always say when they were going to school, they both went to public school, my mom in the Bronx, my, my father in Hoboken and Weehawken, that they would pray in the public schools at the beginning of each day. They'd pray the Lord's Prayer <laughs> in a public school. That's how they started their day, with the Pledge of Allegiance and the Lord's Prayer. Wow. You know, when I was born in the middle of the last century, 
and I was born in Jersey City because we, were, my family lived up in in the Bergen County. So I was born in in, and many of you probably know, maybe many of you were born there yourself because it was a major maternity hospital in Jersey City, the Margaret Haig Hospital. It was strictly a hospital for babies being born. That's that's that was what a what a great what a great uh, thing that is huh? to have a hospital that's just a maternity hospital because there are so many babies being born. The Margaret Haig Maternity Hospital, and I did some research on it. Many years ago, just to kind of see, because it always intrigued me. And it was built in 1931, um, and publicly funded. It was it wasn't a it wasn't a, a Catholic hospital. It was a public hospital, the Margaret Haig Maternity Hospital in Jersey City. Very famous people were born there. People from you know that part of New Jersey. It was a, I think it was open until the mid 70s. When finally it closed down because there weren't enough babies being born to justify having a maternity hospital. But I was very surprised to see in my in my uh, research that in the lobby of the Margaret Haig Maternity Hospital, a publicly funded and public hospital, in the lobby was an enormous stained glass window with the Madonna and child. <laughs> Imagine that. A publicly funded public hospital, maternity hospital. I mean, I can, we can see as, as, as Catholics, as Christians, we, hey, that's what a great idea. You put a great big stained glass window with Blessed Mother and Baby Jesus. But a public hospital? Nobody, nobody blinked. It stood, it stood, it stood for, for 40 some years. Nobody, nobody complained that I know of, that I read about. It was a publicly funded hospital. They said, you know what would be nice in this public, in this public hospital, let's put a big stained glass of Mary and Jesus, baby Jesus, because moms were coming into that hospital to have their babies. But things have changed, haven't they? The transmission of our faith, which we're all called and responsible for, consists primarily in proclaiming Jesus Christ in order to lead others to faith in him. This is from paragraph 425 in uh, our catechism. The transmission of the Christian faith consists primarily in proclaiming Jesus Christ in order to lead others to faith in him. From the beginning, the first disciples burned with the desire to proclaim Jesus. Do we have that desire? Oh, you know, as you know, because I tell you all the time, <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. And I remember when the desire was first placed on my heart to do this. I, I didn't, I never thought that I would be doing this. I never had any intention of it. When, when Cheryl and I first got married 36 years ago, I was very happy in my secular job at FedEx. I was in middle management and it just, you know, they were, they groom you for upper management and I was happy, you know, it was a good company, still is a good company, I'm sure. Uh, but, but they treated their employers, employees well. And when you're, you know, it was just a good, you know, I was happy. We, we bought our first house. We had our, started our family. I was able to provide for them. 
It was great. I never had any intention of doing that. But there was something that along the way, little by little, these, these little, little promptings and urgings from the Lord himself, I'm sure, who said, this is good, this will get you started, you start your life, you have your house, you have your family, but I'm going to need you to do something else. And I don't know why me. I have, I'm certainly very, a very unlikely candidate to do this kind of thing, and was. But when Mother Angelica began her shortwave radio, in 1991, because she had the, the network, the television network, which began in 81, 10 years later, she started a shortwave radio uh, station that you could only get if you had a shortwave radio. And I got one because I was intrigued by this. And I remember listening to, and it was a call-in show. It wasn't Catholic Answers. It was just people calling in to the, to the, um, uh, to the priest's mother's order down there in, in Birmingham and asking questions about the faith. And I would listen on the shortwave radio. And then Mother, again, through divine inspiration, I'm sure, started saying, well, we have the the broadcast. We're putting it in the satellite. How about instead of just a shortwave radio, we get lay people to buy radio stations and then pull the signal down and broadcast it locally, which is what the model we use here. And just like... You, I mean, you listen to Catholic Radio because you want to be fed with the truth, with the faith. We, you know, our our uh, um, um, desire has always been to to broadcast it, to transmit it, to to send it out there. Let the Holy Spirit work through what we do here, and that's every Christian from the very beginning has had the desire to proclaim Jesus. It should, right? In the Catechism, in paragraph 425, it continues, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our own hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it and proclaim uh, to you the eternal life which was with the Father, And was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing this that our joy may be complete. At the heart of all catechesis, my friends, as the catechism says, at the heart of all catechesis is Christ himself. At the heart of catechesis, we find, in essence, a person, the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the only Son from the Father who suffered and died for us and who now, after rising, is living with us forever. To catechize is to reveal in the person of Christ the whole of God's eternal design reaching fulfillment in that person. It is to seek to understand the meaning of Christ's actions and words and of the signs worked by him. Catechesis aims at putting people in communion with Jesus Christ, only he can lead us to the love of the Father in the Spirit and make us share in the life of the Holy Trinity. In catechesis, Christ, the incarnate Word of the Son and Son of God, is taught, everything else is taught with reference to him, 
and it is Christ alone who teaches. Anyone else teaches to the extent that he is Christ's spokesman, enabling Christ to teach with his lips. Every catechist should be able to apply to himself the mysterious words of Jesus, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And, you know, I've been living this myself as someone who has the responsibility of ensuring that whatever it is that comes over these airwaves is from Christ himself. We are just the instruments, just the spokespeople. Our catechism says, Whoever is called to teach Christ must first seek the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. He must suffer the loss of all things in order to gain Christ and be found in him and to know him and the power of his resurrection and to share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible he may attain the resurrection from the dead. From this loving knowledge of Christ springs the desire to proclaim him, to evangelize him, to lead others to the yes of faith in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, the need to know this faith better makes itself felt. To this end, following the order of the creed, Jesus' principal titles, Christ, Son of God, and Lord, will be presented. Uh, the creed next confesses the chief mysteries of his life, those of his incarnation, the paschal mystery, and glorification. But we proclaim this every Sunday or every uh, you know weekend Mass. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And then it goes into uh, his principal titles. Born of the Father before all ages. Then we go into, but when we, we proclaim and profess this creed, that's what we are professing. And we have this need, as the Catechism says, you know, we, we know Jesus. We love Jesus. We understand who he is and what he does and has done for us in our life, and we want to proclaim that to everyone we meet. And as they say, St. Francis was said, you know, pro preach the gospel every day, sometimes even use words. Well, how we live our lives, how we give witness. That's why when I, when I see good brother and sister Catholics tearing down the church, in one way or another, whether it's an attack on a pastor or a bishop or a pope or a ministry or an apostolate or an individual member of the church, publicly tearing down, it really saddens me because no one wants to join a church that's destroying itself. No one wants to be part of a church that is filled with finger pointers and backstabbers. <laughs> we are called to build up. We are called to build up by proclaiming Jesus Christ. We are called to build up by proclaiming the gospel and living the gospel. You know, the first century church is a great example for us, a great witness for us, especially in these days where we're seeing a decline in the practice of our faith. We shared these uh, 
studies and surveys that have been done recently regarding the number, percentage of Catholics, majority of Catholics who don't believe in the real presence, uh, the percentage of Catholics, uh, great majority of Catholics who, 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 who uh, don't go to Mass regularly, Catholics who don't even pray on a regular basis but still consider themselves to be Catholics, and then it breaks down from there. And getting back to what Holy Father Pope Francis was talking about earlier, where he was talking about the passing on of the faith. And it comes through personal relationships. Well, if if a individual a, a, or a married couple with children decide they're not going to practice the faith anymore, they're not, certainly not going to pass it on to their children, and those children then have nothing to pass on beyond. That's where it ends. And we have all these detours along the way, all these domino effect of, of non-practicing Catholics. And that's why we see a decline in mass attendance and prayer and why people are uh, uh, um, considered themselves to be nuns, N-O-N-E-S, with nothing. So if we're tearing down, no one wants to be a part of that. We are called to build up, to proclaim, to give witness, to live, to share, to bring Jesus to as many people as possible, to get away from the finger-pointing and the backbiting and the backstabbing, to proclaim the joy of the gospel, to proclaim the joy of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way, my brothers and sisters, that we are called to live our faith. Okay, I got to go. So tomorrow, join Cheryl me Friday Live at 4 o'clock. We'll be here. Some wonderful guests. I think Deacon Anthony is going to be joining us as well. Um, uh, So come back then. Stay tuned now for Teresa Tamio and the Catholic Connection, followed by Catholic Answers Live. Have a great rest of your day, my friends. Thanks for being a part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you, and God love you. Father.